Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Okay, uh, welcome to the Leader Manager Coach podcast. It's uh, Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. And uh, I do realise that it's a little bit uh, noisy in here. We're, in that, we're actually in a Starbucks in the glorious sunshine of Stoke-on-Trent. We're not too far from the um, the fantastic Wembley of the North Port Vale. And I'm sitting here with um, somebody I consider to be a good friend of mine now. Um, I'm very privileged that he's a good friend of mine. He, he's somebody that I've um, got to know over the past few months. And um, I've been keen to get him on the podcast because I know... As much as he's very humble, um, he's got a lot of information that he can share, um, whether you're a young player or you're a coach or you're even a parent. Um, but uh, I'm really happy to be sitting here with Anthony Griffiths. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Rob. Are you okay? Yes, it's been a, uh, a privilege to be invited down and, and, and you know, given the opportunity to sort of express my uh, views on football as well. Great stuff. Well, um, there, um, just a little bit of a backstory. I'll let uh, Anthony do the talking in a minute. But um, myself and Anthony um, are uh, fellow coaches, if you like. We both coach together, and um, that's how I've got to know Anthony. And it's uh, it's an environment where you do get to know people, and you have to work together. You have to do things as a team, otherwise it becomes difficult. And I have to say, it's been um, it's been easy, and um, that that says loads about about the people you work with. So. Um, just to start this thing off, Anthony, um, if anybody's uh, not kind of um, in the football bubble, as it were, um, what I'd like to do just as an introduction is I'd like you just to say, uh, tell us a little bit about your your story, um, because how you got into football is important, yeah. um, your playing, and then we'll come on to the coaching in a minute, so if you want to just tell us about your playing career, and perhaps even when you were younger, how you got into the game, and any challenges you had, that would be great. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably start from the beginning, really. Uh, we had such a good setup when we were kids, we had a... We had a few good uh, youth players that sort of uh, had a good upbringing, if you like. Uh, we had a we had a local uh, team which was formed from uh, just some random lads. They decided to just form a, a sort of soccer school kind of thing, and you know we all progressed from there really. Um, but there, there's been a few who have, have made it as well, so it's not been a bad. Day. A few of you. A few of us, yeah. Uh, one's Cameron, Cameron Jerome. All right. Yeah, he, he did well, obviously being uh, off Stoke as well. He, he did quite well. Uh, Fraser Campbell. Okay, he, yeah. He came up with us as well. So, that, you know, it, it's been a good story. It's been a really good story. But, as I said, I took a different path and uh, went down to Halifax Town when I was around about 15, 16. Uh, went there for a while, did my sort of uh, leading uh, to, to professional football. Um, they were still in the football league then. The so full time. I, they was full time, yeah. Um, but it was it was nice just to be able to be part of, a, of, of an actual football team, and um, it was local to me as well. Um, after after Halifax, uh, randomly bumped yeah. into a, a fella that was at the train station. <laughs> I had my full kit on, and he says, "Oh, do you play football?" 
I said, yeah, <laughs> mate, of course I do, of course I yeah. do. And uh, he said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I can get you a trial down at Huddersfield. And I thought, I said, yeah, Huddersfield, they're flying. I thought, oh, okay, no problem, we'll, uh, we'll give it a go. So up until this day, I think he was at the time probably 50. Uh, he was a scout for Huddersfield. Right, right, uh, yeah. Brian Tate, his name is. Yeah. Still a good friend of mine now. I still ring him near enough every week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Still gives me advice now. So it's really, really a good story. Uh, and I'll tell this to people who actually want to listen. Um, but he always gives me advice. But as it goes, uh, the trial at Huddersfield didn't materialise. Um, he happened to leave for whatever reason. Uh, but then had contacts in, in other clubs. So he took me over to Doncaster right. when I was around about. 16 I think it was anyhow it was a very long extended trial because I don't think they were too sure uh, whether I was good enough um, so anyway it was round about a six month trial so serious I, six month trial honestly yeah <laughs> um, but anyway I stuck it out it was very very tough um, because it was loads of sort of adversity you could face uh, because I wasn't up to scratch in terms of being a uh, academy player the manager seen something in me and he asked me to stay which was good. This was the first team manager, Dave Penny. So at that point, they didn't kind of just say, "Listen, you're not, you're not what we want." No. They, they, they said, "Look, you're not yeah. kind of where, where, where but, we want you." But yeah. we saw something in you. Yeah. If you can stay, that's great. And uh, long story short, you know, Brian decided to take me under his wing. He even moved me over to his house. Seriously? Yeah, moved me over to his house. He lived in Castleford, which was probably yeah. half an hour away from Doncaster. So uh, we found a way to get around it all. Um, and it was really an interesting story, really, because in the end, you know, the manager, I think I played a game for Doncaster uh, pre-season and, and the manager said, right, yeah, we'll, we'll take him in, we'll, we'll have a little look at him. So I got given a, a one-year uh, sort of pro contract. Were you 18 then? Uh, no, I was, I was 17. Right. But he gave me the pro contract because he couldn't give me a scholarship. Okay. So he gave me, a, a, obviously, a first-year sort of pro contract. Which I was grateful for. Uh, still living at Brian's rent free. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was beautiful. It was it was really cool. Uh, some of the stuff he sort of uh, got me to uh, understand about football was great because I still take to take his information wow. up until this day, and uh, it's it's really good. Just information it come to every sort of away game, home game. It was really good. So it was like a father figure because. I never really grew up with a father, so it was uh, it was quite interesting that somebody who I didn't know was paying great interest to me, uh, and it was really cool. So interesting. I, I, yeah. I, I do owe him a lot. I really do. So I, like I said, he's you know knocking on seventy. He won't thank me for saying that, but he's knocking on seventy. And uh, like I said, I still speak to him. That says everything. To grift on it when you still speak to somebody. Yeah, up until today. So. I think me and you was discussing uh, the Man United uh, coach the other day. Eric and, Harrison, uh, yeah. Eric Harrison, yeah. And uh, it sort of made me understand where football really has gone uh, so far up to this day because I sort of see myself as, you know, that in that mould of, of, of Brian as such, being Eric Harrison, you know, screaming at me bloody from the sideline yeah. or telling me I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't. It's never a... There was never a, a positive that I did in football, in his eyes. It was always, you could do that better, you could do that better, you should be doing this. But it was fantastic because... Okay, just remember where you are, because this is a great story. And So, in respect of how he was with you, Griff, um, you say he had a negative kind of 
but was he was it you that was able to to, to take that or was he quite kind was it was it his way of being negative that was was he was he positive in being negative if I can say yeah, that yeah it was positive in being negative because now you step back and look from well you know I look at it and I always look at it as if uh, a person coming in from the outside let's go back to Doncaster a person coming in from the outside all the youth team players you know awkward it is going into yeah. their environment and you're thinking geez I'm nowhere near any of these players no I mean nowhere near technically is that how you felt when you first went uh, that's how I felt yeah I felt like there was a there was a case of uh, not being uh, appreciated by the other players a case of bullying in my sense but I thought you know what just let it slide under the radar up, man. and long behold you know I'm the only player out of that youth team to actually make it and have a professional career and do you think that there's a lot of individuals that wouldn't be able to tolerate that kind of anxiety of feeling you're perhaps being bullied, if I can use that term, you know, you've used that. Do you think a lot of people would have gone into the shell and maybe thought this is not for me, do you think? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because when you're in an environment, okay, I'm away from home, I don't really know any of the players, um, I'm living in a foreign sort of yeah, yeah. town, city, whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, I suppose you would do naturally go into your shell. But what I decided to do was make myself better. Um, and I probably won't come home until this is at training. I wouldn't come home until like four o'clock because I'd be out there just working. I'd, I'd, I'd On grab a coach or I'd oh. work by myself. And uh, I, I knew I had to improve in, in possibly every aspect of Did you? my game. Yeah, so I, I decided to do that. And I was never the finished article. Uh, probably still not the finished article because uh, I'm always trying to improve myself. But at that time, I, I, I'll never forget that it was it was such an honour to get offered a, a contract from Port Vale, uh, from Doncaster, sorry. Um, and there was there was people looking at me and, and talking to me after games, and you know there was even Man United scouts that was talking to me after the game and said, "Well, you won't probably cut it at Man United, but you definitely got a future in the game." And I was thinking, "Bloody hell, Jesus!" Yeah, I'm not speaking to any other players, but um, no, it was impressive stuff. And we had uh, two good youth team managers uh, at the time, uh, which was which probably helped uh, us along the way as well. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, the youth was 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 great. I couldn't really knock any of my sort of youth upbringing uh, in football. Um, so do you think? Um, so you've talked about um, your scout who is still a, you know, an influence yeah, in your life. Yeah, a great mate. Yeah. What about your coaches when you were a young player, so either 17, 18? Is there anything you particularly remember about your coaches that have stuck with you, um, you know, that you use or you think, well, I wouldn't be like that, I'd use it in another way? Or were they tough? Were they, were they, um, were they, were they friendly? Yeah, I'd probably say youth team-wise, there was, it's always going to be tough, no matter what, because they're, uh, basically testing you to see if you've got the character to uh, withstand yeah, um, the rigors of the game yeah, yeah, yeah exactly the adversity that you might face in life and I just found it interesting I really did I found it interesting I didn't think anybody could sort of break me even though you'd have, they'd, they'd have you out there running uh, in the morning in the Brilliant. afternoon but I just thought great Bring it on. I'm going to win the race yeah I'll just win the race it. and that's how I sort of live my life really uh, even when I was at Halifax Town and, and I was doing the sort of uh, under 16 stuff, it was, I'm going to win the race. That's all I'm going to do. Up and down the stands, I'm going to win the race. And that, that's my sort of uh, mindset for life, really. Where's that come from for you personally, Griff? Where's that come from? 
you know? Personally, I, I don't, yeah, I don't really know where it comes from, but my mum was uh, a real grafter. She, she was out, you know, she had probably two jobs on the go, as well as dealing with three kids, single mom. So it was a tough, um, yeah. you know, upbringing for, for, for the kids, but you sort of found that really tough, you know, skin that you, that you probably need in life, really. Uh, and I tried to sort of, I don't teach my kids that life should be like that because I want to give my kids everything I didn't have as a kid. But um, sometimes the cliche is, you know, if it's not broken, then you don't change it really. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. No, I, I just think you just got to, you got to add that steel about you as well. And that's something that I've always had playing wise um, is, is a, a, a physical strength and as I'm going through life I found the mental strengths probably just as not if more yeah. important really so so where, yeah. did, where did you journey so where you, there you are at Doncaster and you know you've, you're doing the extras and you're grafting and you're thinking you know I'm actually consolidating it and I'm feeling better about myself and you yeah. think so where did your journey playing journey take you after that uh, journey was um, the manager of Doncaster left and the new manager came in Sean O'Driscoll and I thought I'd just been offered a three-year contract by Doncaster, yeah, yeah. so I thought, yeah, I must be doing well. Yeah, yeah. I actually was in the first team. Uh, next season comes about, manager leaves, uh, which was interesting. So Sean Dressel comes in, and I really took a general interest to watching games. I was talking to you about this the other day. Now, youth team players these days don't need to watch games, and. I happen to love watching games, so I, you know, I take my time out on a Saturday afternoon where I should be messing around with my mates in, in town. Um, but I, I stayed and I watched the game before travelling back on the train to go home to Huddersfield. Um, and I always, this team always stuck out to me. It was always Bournemouth. Now, year probably 2006 it was, 2007 era probably. They played amazing football, yeah, yeah. and I mean amazing football. Now I watched a lot of games. Doncaster played a lot of games against you know big teams in the, in the, in the cup. They played Man City, beat them. Arsenal, I think they lost eventually. Lost, uh, but that was an amazing game. But didn't look sort of anywhere near Bournemouth. Bournemouth was a really really yeah. good setup, good team. And I yeah. thought, wow, who's this manager? Yeah. Great. Um, but anyway, he comes to our place, and I thought, Jesus. He's going to be a tough manager because I remember him from being on the sideline watching Bournemouth play Doncaster. So I thought, oh, let's see what he's, he's about. So first team training, thinking, okay. And his attention to detail, I'll never forget that it's second to none. It really was. He was probably a generation, two generations ahead of his time. So this was Sean Driscoll. Yeah, he was brilliant. His attention to detail in terms of uh, retention of the ball, uh, the amount of time the ball's out of play, throw-ins, all that kind of stuff was all written down and it was all documented and it was all uh, analysed and showed to them. So you, before you you knew the man, you saw the evidence of what he was like in the yeah. team. In so the then, team. so you saw the results. Then you, by fate, if you like, saw yeah. the the what you thought was this is why that they play like that. Yeah. That's it, yeah, and it was it was brilliant. So actually get close to see uh, how he worked uh, and he had an assistant uh, Richard O'Kelly and it's crazy that I remember all these names but it's brilliant. you only remember the names if they had an effect on yeah, your yeah. life and Richard was 
an amazing guy. He really was. He was a coach. That's why I got into coaching in the first place. Richard, and there's another fellow I'll explain later. Richard was an enthusiastic uh, in the morning. It was like he slept in a coffee shop and he'd woke up on a bloody high. It really was. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, he must be doing something right because he's now assistant at Aston Villa. Assistant boss. So yeah, yeah. he's obviously, you know, held in high regards. Um, so there was them two working together. Now there was Sean. He was like a bloody principal of a high school. You know, was very yeah. strict and thorough. And then you had Richard, who was the bubbly sort of character, but knew his stuff coaching-wise. And it didn't seem like a coaching session when he was doing it. It was always wow. fun, and it made it really, really adventurous for Before players. Before even youth awards were invented, he was doing what? He was yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the journey port at uh, uh, Doncaster, which was which was awesome. Even leaving was, it was incredible the way he spoke to you, Richard and, and, and Sean. Uh, but Sean, you know, me and Sean, it probably wasn't to be because he liked his uh, technical players who was technically gifted. Um, and I, I probably didn't fit that bill, to be honest. I was a straight grafter and did everything probably he didn't want in his team. So I left. Um, I went to Donk- uh, I went to Port Vale after that, which was, you know, in some ways good. Um, I tried to find my feet in the first season, probably couldn't. Was that Mickey uh, Adams? Or? That was Lee Sennett. Lee Sennett, yeah. He brought me in um, after I went on a loan spent spell to Halifax, which was a successful spell. I was working under Chris Wilder. Uh, he, was a, he was another good manager. He, he was pretty good, to be honest. Uh, tried, to, tried to sign a contract uh, at Halifax, so I thought, mm, I know the club, I might as well go there, it's close to my home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that fell through for some reason, I think. They went, you know, bust on money. So I ended up going to Port Vale, uh, which was good. First season at Port Vale was, it was tough. It was really tricky. They'd just come down from League One. Um, obviously, a lot of expectations, big following. Lovely big stadium, lovely big pitch. Um, but I ended up finding myself playing at, at right back um, a lot of the season. But anyway, it was, a, as I said, a tough season. I've got a lot of non-league players if you like if you want to label me as probably a non-league player being at Halifax um, and coming into full-time football again was it was tough it was really tough but anyway you know we stayed up that season following the season Lee left um, yeah. got sacked um, Dean Glover um, took over and sort of steered the ship uh, into safety because we were struggling uh, and the following season Mickey Adams came in which was probably a saviour of my bloody uh, reputation career whatever you like to call it because he was brilliant he really was in terms of dealing with people on a on a human level he was good like that yeah he was he was really good it was no sort of pink and blue it was literally black and white it was it was it was how he was it, you know there was no hidden agenda for, for Mick it was he worked hard and you get your rewards. He was very old school, but did I appreciate that? I, I, I think I did, yeah. yeah I yeah. think I did. You know, it, there was no hidden... So he recognised your strengths then? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we sort of appreciated each other, really, because I recognised that I can um, work hard and I can sort of improve as a player. 
because uh, when you're that age and you've probably played a few games in the, in the league, you think, oh yeah, I've made it. Made it. Anybody would though. Yeah, yeah. Anybody would until somebody sort of wallop, bang, brings you down to earth and think, right, mm. work hard, you can get this, you can achieve this. Yeah. And I think in the first season under Mick, you know, I, I got awarded uh, player of the season. Player of the season, yeah. And it was, it was a nice accolade. It really was, because um, I thought, and you don't get this in your career. And I've not seen it much, where you want to sort of put your body on the line for a manager. Um, and I sort of had to reconstruct my mind to think, right, this is not a manager. This is somebody who I actually want to go to war for. And I, and I want to put my body on the and line with this person because the fans you were the you were a, a big favorite listen you know I, yeah you're a big favorite the supporters yeah because yeah, of you and I think people like fans aren't they 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 recognize work, a work ethic Griff you know for me so do you think that was um that fitted in well with yeah, the, with it that yeah. in well it fitted in really well I mean all the sort of appreciation and accolades that came along with it. And when you break it down, it was like, well, all you did was actually apply yourself and work hard. Um, and this is the type of stuff I'm trying to get into the kids that yeah, we have yeah. at the moment. Um, because it does get you a long way. You know, talent, as you know, gets you so far. But then you have to mix that concoction with hard work. Um, and for me, I, I never really had a sort of a talent or a, or a gift. The only thing I knew how to do was really tackle, but when you break that down that's an art in itself yeah, yeah. because a lot of people can't do that yeah so um so as I said Mick tried to strip the he's tried to strip the game down for me whereas do the simplistic stuff so he asked you to do specific it gave you a specific role a yeah? specific role yeah there was nothing that was hard for me to sort of do in that team you know I remember once it was <laughs> Bradford away um we was playing Bradford away I, I think I started sub I, I, yeah I did actually start sub and I came on and then he absolutely battered me because really? he gave a free kick away. Right. I think they scored off the free kick and we lost 2-1 right. away at Bradford. And he, he absolutely laid into me. And I'm talking about, you know, you can't pass and da 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 You know, if you could pass, you'd be much higher. I thought, bloody hell, light switch, light one moment. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought, let me just have a look at a few DVDs and I was the only person that did it I was the only person to do a few things in that team to be honest I used to take care of my body a lot uh, I always thought I feel different to everybody else I feel really different I feel like I struggle after games and uh, I thought let me just have a look have a look at a few DVDs I always ask the analy yeah. analysis for yeah. DVDs of the games broke down the uh, yeah. game how I played uh, yeah, I could, I could probably do that better, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, he's right, that pass went astray. So you were doing that yourself off your own back in your own time without anybody saying, these are your stats, this is how far you've run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never really looked for that, to be honest, the stats. Are, because the only person who could change it is you, because yeah. most players would take that DVD and bloody put the pint on top of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Use it as a bloody, yeah, <laughs> as a coaster, yeah, of course, yeah. But I sort of sat there and, and, and looked at it and, and assessed it myself and I thought well, well yeah he's actually right so I took myself away and I thought how can I improve my passing how can I improve that side of the game because so how old are you I was 23 24 okay yeah probably 20 so yeah, you, you've established yourself haven't you because you've yeah, got you know yourself, yeah. but you still got that real educational mindset for yourself to make sure that you yeah. keep on the on the yeah, growth curve keep on learning yeah. so 
again, I thought, let me just strip it back and, and go back Brilliant. to sort of Brilliant. basics, if that makes sense. Doncaster, basics, staying out till bloody God knows what time and practicing little things. May work for you, may not, but I've got to do it. So next season comes around and, you know, I feel like I'm improving. Uh, I try to improve on shooting, goal scoring and passing short, long, yeah. different types of things. And I had my uh, mate along with me as well, Sam Morsey. Uh -huh. So I dragged him along with me. Uh, I said, listen, we need to start like looking at some things we can do like session-wise after training because yeah. it'll improve us both. And Sam was in the youth team then, and Sam had a, a bit of a reputation for having a bit, of naughty, a bit of a naughty streak as well. So I thought, okay, maybe I can help him in that sense as well because mm -hmm. I had a bit of a reputation, as, as you know, uh, getting... You went reverse to a, a yellow card, mate, were you? Yeah, exactly, yeah, so... Well, you know, that's part of the game, out. isn't it? It's part of the game, Griff. It's part of the game, yeah. It's part of the game. And like I said, up, up until this day, I'm still playing now and I'm learning. I'm on bloody nine bookings and I'm having to learn. <laughs> I'm having to learn and, and I'm thinking, some of the bookings are stupid, but if I get booked again, then that's two game bad. So right. I can't afford that okay. at the moment. So I'm going to try and manage myself a little bit better and try really? and manage the game a little bit better, which I am. I've gone. So you're still, you're still, even though you're playing, you know, on your. What, 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 and definitely in the afternoon of your playing career now, yeah, yeah in terms of, and you're playing at a level that you, you know, I'll say it for you, it's probably more comfortable for you than, you know, but I know that you won't, you won't sit back and think it's easy, but, um, and you're still trying to improve yourself. That's just a yeah, lesson in itself. Course, we yeah. could shut this podcast down now and say, you know, <laughs> there's your lesson, yeah. 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 I mean, 32, nearly 33. I mean, like I said, you're never too old to learn. You learn some, if you can learn something each day, then you're doing well um, so yeah back to Fort Vale uh, as I said me and Sam are out there till yeah three easy four o'clock practicing 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 and next season comes around and passing's improved no end I'm bloody playing long balls I want to play but honestly yeah. honestly yeah I'm playing long balls I think Jesus I've just played that long ball there it's got to be Brilliant. short passes I'm, I'm not I'm not just passing the ball I'm firing it in yeah. and I mean firing it in where I'm using my laces different yeah. part of the body to yeah. to get there and I'm thinking even in the game I'm I'm doing it but I'm practicing yeah. so I'm having fun with it and I'm absolutely really and good. I'm thinking Jesus this is crazy so in the end uh, midway through that season uh, the manager pulls me in and says doing alright doing well um, and from a football manager that's like a yeah, proper compliment in it it is yeah and he says Right, I've had a phone call from, it was South End at the time. Uh, there might have been in, yeah, there was in League One trying to go into the championship, top of League One. Uh, do you want to go down there? I said, no, not really. He said, right, get out of my office. <laughs> so he's fair with you, wasn't he? Yeah, he was fair, black and white. Get out of my office. Um, and then a few weeks later, still doing it, still improving. Uh, I get a call from... Uh, no, it was Mick that pulled me in and said, I've had a phone call from Ipswich. Right. Uh, it's a championship. Do you want to go there? No. Right, get out of my office. Did it? Great. Yeah, get out of my office. <laughs> before, yeah. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, the, the, the season just continues and it was, it was really good. I enjoyed playing. Made some good mates, still in contact with them now. Tom Pope, uh, Yatesy, people yeah. like that. Brilliant people. And uh, 
you know, we, it was incredible, incredible time at Port Vale. It really was because I'd deem them like friends for life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as I say, you have to go through those adversities, adversities yeah. in life to sort of overcome things that you might face. As I said earlier on, you were bullied and da 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 da. But you just if you've got big shoulders or a strong mindset, you sort of overcome that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you can, yeah, I let it improve me rather than it let really? it hinder me. People are saying, oh, you can't pass them. Okay, great. Well, you made I'll, yourself a decent I'll, passer. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go <laughs> pass the ball. Then. I'll go pass the ball against Billy Board, yeah. offense, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so they're the things that are sort of you've had to o- overcome really. Uh, and then after that, Port Vale stint. We had, we had a lot of troubles, money troubles in, in Port Vale. So I decided the time was right to sort of uh, leave. Went to Leighton Orient, which was which was good. It, you know, sort of was a good experience in life. The Olympics was on and stuff like that. So it was it was a nice change. Uh, just had a little girl as well, so it was. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool so you know she got to experience a bit of London as well uh, there's not a lot I want to say on Leighton Orient to be honest because I didn't really spend enough time down there I think it was a total of six months that I spent yeah, yeah. down there which was in hindsight a bit of a waste of time really because I ended up going back to London anyway so, so you had a second spell didn't you I had really? a second spell yeah which which was the promotion yeah, yeah. season which was yeah it was good but it was a sense of I'd missed something not being there from the start, start of the season, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, an interesting thing. But what was happening with me uh, and my body was not nice. It's not a nice experience because my hip was sort of giving up. Uh, I've had a lot of pains with my hip and stuff like that. So uh, I didn't really know what was happening at the time. So in that six months I spent in London, the majority of the time I was sort of going to see specialists down there and trying to find out what was wrong uh, and going through sort of a mental block if you like with football and trying to just get to the bottom of what was going on with my body so yeah it was a it was a a long but short career yeah, so so what at what point because you ended up having some surgery on your hip didn't you Griff? Yeah. so just yeah. briefly tell us just so you know when was that and kind of how did that how did you deal with that obviously yeah it was uh, 28 probably 20, yeah 27 28 gone back to Port Vale I had a, uh, yeah as I said we got promoted it was good it was a good experience but as I said I, I didn't feel real part of it even though I'd yeah. you know, I played a few games and helped game promotion um, and Mick obviously showed his faith in me bringing me back to try yeah. help be part of the jigsaw that was uh, which was good because again it was a, it was a something that helped to gain on my CV which I got promotion uh, into League One uh, following season maintained our uh, credential in the league which was League mm-hmm. One at the time uh, but seemed to struggle struggle playing um, so you know I, I sort of ventured off again and tried to get to the bottom of what was my hip Ended up having a surgery, which was a keyhole surgery, to try get a bit of shaved the bone off yeah. my uh, femur, top yeah. of the femur. Yeah, yeah. Seemed to help a little bit, but it didn't really cure. Didn't solve it, no. No, it didn't. It didn't give me a ultimate cure. Um, so in the end, I, I opted for the operation, which was a, a full hip replacement. And did that 
cause you to think, right, this is the end of my career at this point? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely the think, end. And is that a decision that was made for you, Griff, or was that one you had to kind of think, you know what, uh, this is a decision, or was it kind of just something you just couldn't carry on? I couldn't carry on now because it was it wasn't the fact of football; it was the fact of uh, gaining a better quality of life, really. Because I, you know, I had two kids at the time, two girls, and I was going to the park and bloody struggling to get to a park or lift them up and stuff like that. So it was more that side of it. I was more worried about the quality of life. Okay, so you talk about it in you know as if it's not as if it's nothing, but you talk about it so relaxed. What was that like in terms of because that's that is would be classed as an adversity in, a, in somebody's career who's yeah because yeah? yeah. you, you you could theoretically have had another six seven who knows how many years on top of that so yeah, you know course, that was a, a challenge for you to overcome you had to kind of think well it was and i had a brief any poor old me days or you know why is this happening to me or yeah i had a lot of them i had a lot of them uh, it probably went on for about a year year yeah. and a half where i was really down really really down and uh, you know, touching the realms of bloody depression and stuff like that, but nothing in terms of drinking, drugs, no. or smoking, nothing like that, because that's not me. But I was always constantly thinking, you know, why me? Why did it happen to me? Because I was, and up to this day, ultimate bloody professional in terms of application on the training field, um, in games, giving 100. percent And I'm thinking, in some sense, did that cause me to? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Did this for, for this to happen because the amount of tackles you used to throw yourself into, and the miles you've run and all that. The amount of miles you've run, yeah, exactly. So, and playing through the pain barrier as well. Sometimes, I think of all them things sort of accumulated for me to be this way. Um, but then, you know, I've been speak, you know, spoken to a few people. I'm thinking, well, is there a different route for me in football? That's, that's the way I have to look at it now there's a different route for me in football so uh, I think this coaching uh, opportunity that's been given has probably been a godsend in, in a way because it sort of keeps you in touch with i.e. a club that you've done well at um, and I'm obviously holding high regards um, but then it's about the kids as well yeah. how you can sort of nurture them and, and tell them right from wrong because I had nobody telling me oh you should be playing for a pain barrier because when you get to the performance level it's can you do it and the match is always going to be yeah of course I can of course I can boss you know because you actually at the time you did want to run through brick walls but there was a time where that brick wall you'd actually run into it and and it wouldn't fall down so you'd hit a brick wall and you'd know about it and that's where I was in my career Um, and you know, post Port Vale, I sort of had a good stint at uh, Shrewsbury. Met some magnificent people, magnificent people, uh, especially the manager, Mickey Mellon. Because um, you still, you've spoken about him a few times. Yeah, yeah he's got a, a lot of respect I'd, for him, yeah. I'd put him up there as one of the top sort of managers, coaches I've probably had in my time uh, because he didn't just see the game uh, from a out-and-out football perspective it looked at it in more depth which was I just thought bloody hell it's a bit bloody formal and it's a bit it's a bit much for me but in the end I sort of I got him because I spent time with him and he was a people person as well give us an example because it's a great little 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 bit about you live so so for anybody who's listening um, 
see if you can just illuminate a little bit about what Ricky Mellon would would say about a game or the game or your game in terms of what words he would use or how would he describe if if he saw it differently just yeah. so people perhaps can understand. Yeah. Okay, so we the thing that I picked up the most from Mick was that he liked to let the players sort of see their positives all the time. It was always positive. Right. So we'd break it down and before the game, he'd have a TV in the room and he'd have the highlights from the uh, previous games. Yeah, yeah. And he'd show you all the positives that you've done throughout the season. And it'd all be on one little slideshow. It'd have music, it'd have everything on it. And it would say a little speech. It wouldn't necessarily say a lot before the game, but that sort of got you up for the game and that said a lot for me. Yeah, yeah. It said a lot for me, yeah. 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 And so, even at even at twenty seven, twenty eight at the time, he was telling me positions where I should be receiving the ball or how to receive the ball to make me even better. Yeah. Um, and there was a little player in my way that was studying my way from present. Uh, you know, not giving me opportunity to play. And it goes by the name of Ryan Woods and he's at Bloody Stoke at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was some hell of a player he was. He really was a good player. I used to watch him a lot and I think, bloody hell, he's going to be a great player. I played against him. played against him. I didn't really think much of him when I was playing against yeah, yeah. him because he was only a young lad. I think he was 18 at the time. Uh, probably, like, probably 17 at the time. Uh, but watching him play and watching him train day in, day out, he was such a good player. Uh, and it was there was a, only a handful of opportunities where he'd be out of the team yeah. through suspension or injury and I get my opportunity and I think what would he do in this situation yeah, yeah. and honestly even though he was 18 at the time 19 whatever he was I'd still learn from him because he was that Brilliant. good I was learning from him um, and yeah Mick he didn't really have a bad word to say about you know sort of me but he knew I was sort of struggling with my body yeah. and that was uh, obviously a stumbling block which we sort of both needed to overcome really and I know in my mind that I wanted to get out and play games uh, so he just said listen if you know you want to get out and play games then you know there's, there's an opportunity there at Carlisle which you can go and go play games so I said well no, I'd, I'd go take it me thinking Carlisle's around a bloody corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bloody hell, Miles away, yeah. yeah. So, no, I took the opportunity and I, and I grasped it. Yeah. Uh, went up there with Keith Curl. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he was obviously different. He was different. He, you know, he approached uh, football in a, in, a, in a different sort of way. He tried to be black and white, but there was always sort of a hidden agenda with him and he sort of treated people in a different way rather than it being basic human to human communication whereas I found that in Mickey Mellon and I found that in Mickey Adams it was just well in football terms it was man management skills yeah, yeah. Um, which I found was and I want to sort of adopt that into my coaching style so I look I always look back now and I'm a coach I think well I want to try have the approach of Mickey Adams in some sense, I don't want to be too old school, but I want to have that yeah. in my yeah. locker. I want to have the Mickey Mellon theme, and I definitely want to have the Richard O'Kelly theme, um, because they sort of helped mould me in a certain yeah, yeah. way, which I think, well, it definitely paid off, because I can still remember to them till this day. Yeah. Yeah, um, there was another coach as well, uh, a 
I should have got this information for no, you. No, no, this is fantastic. He is England under 21's manager. Uh, current. Is he current under 21 or 18's manager? Um, uh, current 18's. 80 Bullfroy is 21. 80. 80 is 21. It's not 80 It's not 80. Um, it's 18's, yeah. I'll find out for you anyway. And he, well, he influenced you. He, he was brilliant. He, he was exactly the same as Richard O'Kelly, but he was uh, really, really good. And it's frustrating without a car. Thank you, Richard. Welcome to Keith Downing. Oh, all right, okay. Really good. He had a bloody spring in his step every morning yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, the coaching, yeah, good. He had attention to detail, very good. And yeah, as yeah, I said, it's about being. I think everybody's got problems in their own life. So if you can come to football, and be uplifting and give them something to really yeah. you know yeah, yeah. be happy about and you're halfway there yeah, yeah. yeah I mean who wants to come to football and, have, and being miserable yeah you're really managing being miserable and having a downer that's not what you want at all so when was it when did you think right I think coaching might be something or was it after your injury Griff was it all did you always have that thing I think mm, this coaching thing or was it after your no not at all it was all to do with the injury was it? Uh, it was all to do with the injury I thought the injury uh, well, I look back on it and I think the injury is the springboard or the catalyst to my sort of coaching because when I was playing, I was always, I always see myself as a, as, a, as a captain or role model, someone to sort of speak to, even if it wasn't a captain, then a captain for me is a person who's coaching as well, yeah. as, as, as well as yeah. playing, yeah. because you do, you have to do it, um, it's a responsibility, so in that sense, yeah, when I was playing, not a real interest in me, not, not you know, a uh, primary interest in me. Yeah. Yeah. But after, after definitely, I, I sort of took up a, uh, a role and I went to be a personal trainer. So I did all the qualifications to be a personal trainer, which I found amazing. I found yeah. it really, really good. Worked with some really good people, um, some cool, cool celebrities that I worked yeah, with. Yeah. So it was really good up in Cheshire. So that was uh, a real good thing. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, I just thought the body, for me, because of my injury, was a primary target I wanted to understand a little bit better of why certain things happen, why yeah. things occur. Yeah. And I don't know, you're a physio yourself, so you probably know better than me um, why people want to study the body. And it's fascinating uh, when you get into it. It is it, isn't fascinating, it yeah. really is. I don't think players understand the body enough. Yeah. Um, you certainly wouldn't do the things you do I yeah. certainly wouldn't have done the things I did as a player if I understood the body yeah. and how it can impact you how it can affect you later on in your career yeah, yeah. and this is why physios as much as football managers hate the saying of a player's not ready to go back yet or a player's not fit enough managers don't get it because I don't think managers understand no. the body well enough no. so I'll say certain managers yeah um, no. Yeah, because I know that there are managers out there that have, yeah. you know, had a, had a sort of spell in uh, you know, personal training. Yeah, some of the old, we're, you know, the old fitness coaches or, or even yeah, physios exactly. themselves, you know, there's exactly. a lot of managers who've gone on and, there's a lot, yeah. you, you know, not a lot, but there isn't managers. And so I think, yeah, yeah some of do. Of course, mm. of course. So now that, that's definitely an avenue. Uh, again, the injury, I said, I'm, I'm using it like a tree now. I'm using it like a tree. So, so you, took, off. you took that adversity and you know let it have its fling with you where you're thinking blimey you know what's happening to me and then you decided right you know 
you use that as a springboard, as you said, to yeah, you know, I definitely yeah. did. I use it as a springboard, and, and, and I've not looked back really. Um, but I did. Uh, the only thing that affected me was play. I thought, can I do it again? Should I do it again? Um, and the only reason I got back into football was being working at a school. Yeah. And I thought, oh, bloody hell, this kid's doing something. He's good. I'm going to take him somewhere. And I'm going to try get him a trial somewhere. And the fella said to me, right, get him stripped. The ladder you brought, get him yeah. stripped. In fact, you can get your kit on as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get your kit on as well. Great. So anyway, it happens it. that they took me on and not the lad. No way. Honestly, they took me on and not the lad. So <laughs> I, that's brilliant. the only way I got back into football. Oh, or else I'd have just, you know, just knocked it on the head. I can just hear the kid going, the scouts bombed me off and I he's, he's took my place. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But anyway, that that's how I got back into football. Uh, I had a brief spell as being assistant manager as well. So after that spell where I'm talking about the kid, I brought the kid yeah. and they signed me. That was at Gloss Up North End. Um... I had a brief spell there. It went all right, you know. That was my little way back in. I, you know, people forget and they look at you and think, "Well, have you really had a hit replacement?" Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I, know, I, I see every week, and, and yeah. you don't, you, you know, I, I've seen thousands of hip replacement people you know what I mean and you absolutely give, give not one indication that you've had a hip replacement mate. I'll tell you that for nothing mine was really bad though Rob it really was I mean this was a a leading surgeon telling you that this is one of the worst affected hips he's seen wow. in a very long time so I thought wow Jesus and at such a young age at such a young wow. age yeah and I thought Jesus Christ I'm in for the long haul here so as it goes I, uh, I had the operation. The next morning I was in agony with all the tablets and the, the, the actual pain from the scarring. But other than that, I thought, but hell, I can, I can move. Move it, I yeah. can walk. So, middle of the night, I get up after the operation. I'm walking about. No have a little job. Way, have a little job. No way. I'm back here. I'm back. I can do it. Bench shot. They'll be on the bench, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> mate, I, some of the stuff you think in your mind is crazy. But no, the next day, I was up and I was out. I was gone. I was back home. Um, and I thought, yeah, I feel great. But again, it's probably the mind playing tricks on you because a couple of days later, I'm really sore in agony. And that's just the healing process. Yeah, yeah. Just coming, obviously. Yeah. And uh, taking effect. But after operation, I felt great. There was right. no sort of pain. Uh, I don't think people take into contact unless you're, uh, contact, unless you're going for the pain you don't really understand it. but imagine bone on bone crushing against each other every single day and you know them fragments going off into your bloodstream and then you yeah, know that bloodstream good. forming another bone and that bone really causing even more pain so that's the way my body was at, at the time uh, but now I, I, I appreciate the, the surgeon who, who, uh, performing do, yeah. surgery he was really good so, so, so you came out of that. You went. You were doing. You you done your personal training stuff, and you and you met all these people, and you and you. So, where did? You, what, so, take us into your coaching. Now, your coaching kind of actually formulated. Yeah. From that. So again, that probably wouldn't have come about if I didn't play football. Actually, because I played for Glossop. Um, I ended up playing half a season. I went to Trafford with. Uh, Shuka, Chris Shuka, mm. he played for Port Vale as well, and he was a good mate of mine. So he rang me up and said, "Oh, what are you doing?" I played against their team. I said, "Oh, he played. Oh, yeah, you look like you've lost it." 
And I thought, yeah, I feel like it's all right. right. She said, fancy coming to our place. And I thought, not really, can't really do that because I'm here. And I think I tried to be loyal. But anyway, in the end, it turns out that they had some financial complications and that allowed you to sort of leave yeah. if you wanted to leave. So I went to Trafford, played, uh, and we just missed out on the playoffs, um, which was crucial. But that put me in good stead because I played against Cohen Bay, a team yeah, yeah. in the same league, but obviously down in Wales. So that season, end of the season, their manager got in contact with me and said, do you want to come to our place? Um, I understand that you're doing your coaching and stuff like that. Oh, you're into coaching? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. Um, would you want to come down and be assistant manager? So I said, yeah, definitely. And that was the only thing that sort of helped me become yeah, yeah. Uh, or more fluent in terms of the management on, on coaching side of things. Uh, and, I, and I won't forget that because he's a good mate of mine as well, Phil, Phil Hadland is called, uh, lives up in Warrington, good fella. And he just took me under his wing, uh, let me do my coaching stuff, what we needed, would sit down and go to his house often and sit down and plan. And it just saw a little bit of what managers go through. You did. I see yeah, yeah. the, the sort of stress yeah. it put on people and the worry. And I thought, Jesus, who the hell would be a football manager? manager yeah. It's crazy. It's mental. Because people think, yeah, you just turn up, do training sessions. Pick the lads. Uh, <laughs> pick a team. Take them out Saturday. You win or lose. And that's it. Yeah, Monday start again. It's yeah. absolutely mental. Yeah, not like that. I think Phil had a little bit of hair on top, mate. By the time, I think it was a six-month spell. Probably not even that, probably four months. He had no air, stressed to the eyeballs, not sleeping. Yeah. Uh, and that was his first time in charge. So I got a little snippet of yeah, what it was like yeah. on the other side, really. So while I'm, whilst I'm enjoying the coaching and bloody getting the lads geared up and have a bit of banter, but he feels not sleeping. And bloody... Do you think like being a number two is not a bad position, is it? Do you know what I'm saying? It's you... not a bad yeah, position, yeah. no. And like I said it's sort of the Richard O'Kelly theme yeah and that's why I think John Terry will do really well yeah because if he's got him by his side and I know that obviously Dean Smith's obviously a good manager slash coach as well but people I've spoke to he's in good hands yeah yeah so he shouldn't you know he should do quite well whether he's going to be a manager a full manager or a number two he'll yeah. do well because he's having a, a really good upbringing in terms of his football uh, yeah education yeah. really so yeah. uh yeah, that was it. So I'm bubbling away, and in the end, at Cohen Bay, uh, Phil decided to leave or got sacked, whatever you want to yeah. sort of read into. Um, and then I and I sort of left then and, and, and ended up going to. Well, I took a bit of time out actually. I thought, oh, I'm going to take a bit of time out, spend time with kids on the Saturday. I get a call from Congleton, which is on my doorstep. Um, they said, Do you want to come down and, and give it a go? And I thought, yeah. Here we go. Give it a go. <laughs> So I goes there and I'd not played. I'd not played for Colin mm. Bay. I was literally just focused yeah, on, on the coaching. coaching side and you know the managing side of the, of the team because I really thought this is it. This is the transitional period from going from playing to getting into the coaching side and I was really enjoying it. Uh, but anyway, Phil left. Um, that in turn told me that it would be, uh, I'd probably say unprofessional for me to stay if Phil yeah, brought right. me to the club and I stayed so yeah I left and then I went to uh, Congleton 
uh, and it's been interesting. It's been really, really good. I've, I've enjoyed playing, uh, and, I, and I really don't feel like, uh, and I, I don't know what it looks like to players that I play with or play against, but I feel like a, a rejuvenated player rather than a really? player playing with a sort oh, yeah. of a disability or because that's how some some people would put it. You know, you've got a hip replacement. You shouldn't be playing football. Uh, but no, I'm enjoying it and I'm learning every single game that I play uh, about the game and coaching with uh, Paul Johnson as well, which is good. He's, he's a good uh, person to learn from as well because he's obviously done it for years. Mm. Um, and it was a pre-season game that we played against Paul Vale, uh, obviously the 23s or whatever it yeah. was, 21, whatever it was. Um, Warren came up to me after because in the, in the game, I was telling his lad, Hayden. Hayden, what he should be doing or what he shouldn't be doing. So there was two midfielders I was talking to at the time. I was telling him that he should be making a run. If I'm facing that way, facing towards your goal and you've got the ball, you should be running past me mm. because of my age. And you probably know what's happened to me. You should be running past me going that way. Yeah. But instead, you two want to sit and in, play the ball in front of me, yeah, in, yeah. In front of me which... Yeah. I'm happy with that. that, yeah. You know what I mean? I'll struggle to chase to you chase that you, way. Yeah. So you should be going that way. So uh, whether Warren's seen that or not, he probably took heed of that and thought, okay, probably looks like he's, he's doing a bit on mm. maybe the Cohen Bay thing, I don't know. But he said, oh, there's an opportunity that's opened uh, at Port Vale. Do you, do you probably, do you fancy that's it? Kind of thing? Yeah, do you fancy it? And I thought, oh, there we go. I was really happy at the time. Really, really overwhelmed. Uh, next morning, got up Sunday morning. I thought, right, I'm gonna go to church here, and I'm gonna thank my lucky stars. So I went to church, had a good chat with the ladies. I, I do go when I got the time yeah, to yeah. go because I was going previous to that. Um, but Sundays, obviously, we played a game on the Sundays, um, and the ladies always ask me, you know, how's it going, and are you doing well at Port? Yeah, yeah. How's the kids and stuff like that? So it's really good when it's, it's humbling when you can go to somewhere where you're not judged. You're just a normal citizen like everybody else yeah. in church, yeah. and you've got I don't know ladies that are 85, bloody 90, real people, man. and mm. they talk to you on a level, and they sort of understand you, and they're interested. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I'm interested in them as well, although they probably don't think I am. I actually yeah. am because I ask them questions. What have you been up to this week? And it's crazy. You go to church, and you know people by brilliant. first name basis. Yeah, and, you know players that I've probably played or are not, not playing probably wouldn't think of doing things no. like that going to church and you no. know I think it's really humbling and, and down to earth that you can do that because it really um, it puts life into perspective as well um, that people are telling you about you know the Lord God not a lot of people believe in God which yeah everybody's got their own beliefs I get that but Okay. Yeah, I'm just easy. To, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to um, get a reasoning for or show my appreciation for yeah. for what I've got. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was a player, probably I didn't uh, do that. I, I never really sort of appreciated what I had in terms of the position I was in. But I appreciate my life, my kids. Um, and people that are around me at this moment of time in life, I really do. Because everybody's uh, helping you to, to, yeah. to guide you into sort of a direction that you want to go. Yeah, I think some people, some people get to the end of their life and never get to that point, Griff. And some people, sometimes people get there in the sixties or seventies. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's absolutely right. You, if you can get there 
at, a, at an earlier age and you know you think wow I used to think it was all about me and this is how I, yeah. you know, and I, I can do this and I can do that. Well, actually, it can just be taken away like that, yeah. yeah. And, so, and some, you know, and it's all about opportunities and, and being, yeah, the gratitude thing's massive, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. it is, it definitely is. I don't think people spend enough time um, appreciating or being grateful as well. So yeah, that for me, that opportunity for coming to coach at Port Vale, although I had come down when I was doing my way for B and I asked Warren if I could just do a couple of sessions just to sort of yeah. get myself in the mould uh, and this was obviously post uh, operation I was doing my way for B uh, just come down meet the lads do a couple of sessions you know be disruptive to other people's sessions <laughs> as you do <laughs> yeah yeah you'll lose this now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no it was really nice of him but he just probably remembered that it was was a few years ago to be honest but I, you know yeah, that's good. He, he did remember that so I appreciate that um, and there was something else I did uh, post football as well it was following a, a diet because yeah. me when I got out of my routine of football I was like Jesus where do I go from here what do I follow you know um, so it was my diet that I sort of I always thought to myself I don't really want to go down the route of gaining weight or having to work extremely hard to yeah. get the weight off you know it was right I'm a personal trainer I want to practice what I preach um, and I want to stick and follow a sort yeah. of strict guideline and that was it for me I sort of became a, 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 a I was a pescatarian uh, tried to do the uh, vegetarian vegan um, so I tried all them, and the one that suited me best was the sort of pescatarian. Right. So I'm still doing that diet up to this day. So it's been so you know, four eat, years. So you eat, you, you don't eat meat, but you eat fish. Eat fish, yeah. yeah. Eat fish, uh, and it's it's a good diet to follow. Really, it's good to have a bit of structure in your life and, and something to sort of yeah. to follow. Yeah, really. If you can do that, I think the diet's probably the hardest one, really. Right. Because if you have a bit of structure in in terms of yeah, your routines, yeah, what you can eat. It gives you that discipline also yeah, as yeah. well, and that's I, I'm always trying to be a disciplined person, um, and that's probably why I had a bit of success in football because, especially in that unique position in sort of uh, sitting midfield, you have to have the discipline. So, you know, when that was taken away, I sort of thought, well, what can I follow now? How can I be disciplined? Really, that's um, great. I never had a discipline with uh, women, but yeah, other than that, mate, <laughs> I decided to do the diet instead. Oh, <laughs> okay, so so listen, it's it's um, it's a great story. There's so many lessons in that. It's brilliant. So here you are coaching. You're coaching, um, you know, young players who've got aspirations to be to to be young pros. And um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to see you firsthand deliver that. And I've said to you, you know, and I'm not here to to you know say anything. I've not said to you face yeah. your detail that you bring to the to the boys um, is astounding um so natural and you know it whether it's because you played the game or not i don't know but you do give such great detail to the kids in such a relaxed manner um what if you could sum up your i think you've probably already done it but just to underline it what's your kind of uh philosophy of, of, of what you want what you want to impart to your players if i think you've already touched on it really in terms of the work ethic so you've kind of said that um, is there anything else because you've mentioned you some great mentors that you've picked think oh, I'd like that from that manager and I picked that from that coach and I picked that from that assistant coach 
you know, what, what, what do you like to bring to the to these boys to help them on the way? In addition, perhaps to the work ethic, which you've already said. Yeah, I think the work ethic is a given, really. I don't think that's a philosophy. I think it's it should be a primary thing, okay. but I know that not society mm. has changed and not every player does work hard, if, if, if I'd like to say. But philosophy-wise, I think it's difficult for me to say, because I'm coming from a performance background and now I'm in the development sort of setup, again, I'm still learning as well. So for me to say I'd like to get this out of uh, this set of players who are developing, I'd have to be individual. No, I get that. I, I mean, because we even had a conversation last night and carried on today about yeah. something where, and it was all about learning um, and for you to learn and, and me as well because uh, you know I watched you coach last night and I thought you know what and I'm always I always try and do that I think right if that, if I was the one doing the coaching here how would I see what the interventions that you've made and um, yeah and I think the proof of the pudding for if anybody wants to to know is that you do practice what you preach because you've, you've, you've told me what your own personal philosophy of, of, of life is and learning and I, and I see you do that all, all the time so it, you know yeah. um, no it's like I said it's, it's, it's down to that individual if they've got the hunger and desire to listen and I think there are a number of players that I've come across in the development setup so far that I've seen um, that have shown um, that little bit of willingness to understand the coach, to understand and listen to advice that you're giving mm. to help them become a better player. And I just want to give it a few years before I can say, yeah, I can, you know, he was probably right in terms of that player. He's got a career in football, yeah. no matter whether it's really in the conference or it's yeah. in the football league. So, I, I, you know, it's it's so interesting when you see all these bloody players coming through from a young age and then you're going to see them grow and develop into, into men that's probably going to be the most uh, inspiring thing that I'll come across yeah yeah yeah. because I've had my playing days but now it's the other stage where you want to see players develop and progress and yeah and I get that Griffin yeah. and you know you've seen it Rob. You've I've been it. so lucky yeah. and because life gives you opportunities and at the time you don't realise that they're opportunities but I see now players who are established household names mm. you know people at the top of the profession who are playing in Champions Leagues who I happen to be part of the backroom team that, that they were standing shivering on the side of a pitch yeah at Vauxhall yeah. because that's where we were training and it's throwing it down with rain and, and, we, and, he, and he's got a parker coat on like supplied by the FA wow. kind of thing because it's freezing cold yeah. are you with me and if you looked across that, that little puny tiny figure who's standing there thinking in 10 years time he'll be you know and you're and, I, and if you'd have said to me at the time do you think he somebody said to me stuck a microphone in my face and said right make a business <laughs> do you think that him there he's going to be I'd have said Probably not, no. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying, Griff? Yeah. And then you see them, and the ones who were, who were shining, the ones who you think at that age are flying and nailed on, I wouldn't have a clue where they are now, yeah. you know? And yeah. So the learning that you get from, from that scene, because it's just 
and, and that's an opportunity that, that I've been blessed with. And I think what you're saying is you're already recognizing that, that you're going to get that by, by just, just yeah. seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's brilliant. Amazing. It's brilliant. So now I think yeah. one of the things I want to try and do as well is, uh, it's for people to understand that everybody's got an equal opportunity because I, I'll go back to Doncaster where I thought I was an outcast. I wasn't really part of the setup and I had no hope. I had literally no hope whatsoever. Uh, technically, nowhere near it. But to be the only one who's come out of that academy, that great story. age group, to make it and have a professional bloody career is, is, is crazy. But I still think it's crazy up to this says day. It all, it says it all. says so much. And it's down to the individual how much you want to learn and listen and do what the coach is asking you because some players make a living out of that. Mm-hmm. Make a living out of bloody just doing what the manager tells you. Yeah, yeah. Just being a soldier. Yeah, yeah. So as, as, as silly as it sounds, you know, if you want to do that just to get your foot in the door, then you, you do it, don't you? You do well, what the manager yeah, tells you. Yeah. And you do it well. You don't just do it. You do it well. You do the basics well. Yeah. Um, and I don't think in society, this, this day and age, I don't think players, because of what they see on the TV and the football and the style of play, I don't think they they understand that that player has actually worked on the basics over and over, over again. and over again to get to the stage. It doesn't just happen overnight. Absolutely. And your 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 story absolutely dictates that that you just yeah. got yourself in the door and then thought right I've got in yeah. but I recognize how far I feel I need to go yeah. and you set about just doing what people told you to do no matter how they told you whether they upset you or not you just yeah. set about that and you uh, an absolute evidence that 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 is a is a mythology methodology that works because you, you you've done that and, and you think you've hit on a real big thing there by saying people don't always you know and, and we get this, don't we? In the game, it's all about um, letting people express themselves as they are. Um, and you're talking about actually doing what somebody else is guiding you and directing you, you to do. And there's a, there's a very famous mm-hmm. bit of writing called "A Message to Garcia," and it's all about what you've just said about a soldier. I think it's a soldier who who is delivered years and years ago. Um, it's called "A Message to Garcia." Was uh, tasked with delivering a letter in the days when you know I don't know how many in what century this was to a certain person yeah and he had to go through water and forests and, and, and it took him I don't know how long it took him but eventually he found the person in this country wow. and gave him a letter and, and it's a famous bit of writing that says um, and he didn't ask for any glory and when somebody asked him well what have you done a lot for he said well because that's what I, I he, he just told me to do it yeah like why are you asking me what, why I'm doing that yeah. and you just it's, said that in one go mate it's, it's amazing it really is amazing um, now I'm hoping one day you know I do become a manager but I think I'm honest with myself and people ask me this all the time you know you're going to become a manager I'm not ready yet nowhere near ready enough you know so I want to just have the time to get to know football to know football to, to understand it a little bit better because I've only come out of football recently so I'm still brand new I'm still in education and I'm still learning every single day I'm learning I think I take things away I've got my own little diary that you might see when we've on a, on a Wednesday or a Friday that I bring with me and that's my little coaching diary because I think well Brian has one of these 
and he's got all these little bits in there where if he was to go coaching again he'd have a diary and that's my diary to say well that they're my sessions and if I, if I, if I like the session I'll stick it in the diary and if I've got to revert back to it if I'm a manager I will use it it's just and, great and yeah. a couple of years later Rob I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture of that bloody same great. diary mate it'll be old and crusty but it'll still it's be there great. well I mean you are so much alike it's just great to hear I remember um, when I'd done my A-Vars and I had to get you know you have to give that the folders in right? yeah because yeah. I'm like a bit of a collector and stuff like that and I gave my folder in and it was like that thing like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the guy he's, he's um, Southampton's um coaches at Southampton now he just went what the hell is that and yeah. he just looked at it like that he just went okay I'll just tick the box like shifting I'm reading through all that <laughs> a, do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. yeah correct so, top man. correct so now no, it's great another great lesson in there that you know you self and out recognition that you know you because people in life especially today it's like how can you get there as quick as you can yeah and, and, and jump yeah. and, and you know you find that out you well, you get found out. Yeah, well. You get found out. And I think it was something I was reading the other day about coaches that are, I'm just going to say overseas rather than it just being based in England. So coaches that are overseas will have a window of like four years before they actually become managers because they need that experience before they can just go, right, I'm an ex-player, I'll jump straight into management. Um, now, sometimes it works over here, sometimes it doesn't, but sooner or later, you get found out. You get found out. So, I want to use this time to build up a rapport of knowing and understanding football, uh, whether it be the non-league, whether it be in the football league. But I've got a goal, and I know where I want to go. Yeah, so that, that's great. Me. I want to build up a, a good CV, and really? I want to just surround myself with good people yeah, and, and, and help young lads that you know deserve a chance it's you know great. definitely listen right it, it, it's absolutely fab and um as much as i can sit here for the next two hours <laughs> mate I, i'm gonna sort of move it to an end because you've kind of just naturally i've got all these questions in my head that i thought i want to ask griff this i want to ask griff that i don't get a chance to ask you when we're out there probably bored you too much mate. no i love it and you've all, you've just basically gone through it and and i haven't had to ask you anything because you, you've just really said everything that i want you today so here you are so what about griff as the person so we talked about griff as the player we talked about a little bit about your coaching and, and where you want to go and what you believe and you know which fantastic um so yourself are you any films that you like or that you've really inspired you in the that you what you think oh that's my favorite film ever or is there any of them or not really no, no I, I i really enjoy reading books if i'm honest yeah. i really enjoy yeah. I, I i quite enjoy reading books i'm reading a bit about Martin Luther King at the moment uh, sort of where he came from his upbringing and what he had to go through the adversities and stuff like that and it's not too dissimilar to the story I've just told you to be honest he went through a, a hell of a lot in his time um, I'm not saying obviously it was as extreme as what he went through but it's the same sort of building blocks yeah. you know you have to establish yourself and you know, move on from there. But it's it's a really interesting read. Um, and again, that's definitely something that footballers slash ex footballers probably don't do. Um, now, I only took an interest to in this reading books from reading Sir Alex Ferguson's book. So, as it goes, Sir Alex Ferguson said, I, I always watch myself. What what do actually Premier League managers do in their spare time? Um, 
Now he had tons of books that he obviously went yeah, through. And yeah. I think, at the time I was reading the book, I said, well, why would he read that book? You know, he was reading about the bloody the war and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Military yeah, leaders and yeah, stuff what, like that. why would he read about that? Yeah. I was thinking, right, okay, I'm going to finish this book and understand the man for being the yeah, man. Yeah. Now he is a massive inspiration to me. Never, never been a United fan, but Sir Alex Ferguson is the man. Well, arguably the greatest league manager. He is, yeah. 100%. 100%. Now, anybody who disputes that's really on cloud cuckoo land. Um, now, it's not just, again, when I talk about football management, football coaching, I strip it away. I, I take football away and I talk about the people, the person, and how they can become better. You know, being people on the pitch as well as off the pitch. And that's the way, sort of, I grasp in the book that he was yeah, yeah. as well. And... He never really bad-mouthed his players um, and, and their things as well, even though I don't know Sir Alex on a personal level. But reading that book sort of drawn me closer to yeah, yeah. understanding. And inspired you to read some stuff around it, Inspired yeah. me to read books, yeah. And Brilliant. That's literally how I got onto And that's something that you, you'll take forward into you. Yeah, I will, yeah, yeah. Because, again, you need that downtime as well because it can't always be football, 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 football. You need to sort of step away, yeah. understand certain things, why certain things in history have happened. Uh, and it's not just history books that I read. You know, I'm reading different books, really, horror books and stuff like that. And I'm telling really the missus about and she's like, what the hell are you reading that for? <laughs> <laughs> You're really weirdo. Um, but it, it does. It, it, it's inspirational. It really is. Um, I try keeping it, you know, fictional. But, you know, sometimes yeah, I dwell off and... Yeah, and you got a, you got a young family mate as well, yeah. Yeah, got two girls, Maya and Olivia. Because uh, one of them's turned up at training. I saw one of them at training, didn't I? Yeah, 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 that was so Maya. That was a big one. Yeah. yeah, they only live up the road from Northwood, so it's not too bad. They come down and, and, and watch sometimes if they can. Uh, but now they're a pleasure. They're a pleasure, and I said I'm just trying to educate them as much as I can. And you know, a lot of people have probably got a lot to say about me, but as as a, as a dad. Probably say I'm, I'm doing my utmost best Brilliant. to, you know, help them have a better future. You yeah, know, a better right. future definitely. Um, and, and and the school stuff helps as well. Um, yeah. Being being in school and, and helping kids at school because it really is inspiring that you work with kids who have got no, I wouldn't say no, uh, but a really bleak future ahead. Yeah. So you can try and widen that gap for the future. So they've got somewhere... Just a know. little bit of light opportunity. Yeah, or yeah, because honestly, some of the kids, I've got no hope. They really, really haven't. And it's for us at school. And again, I use exactly the same format, the same philosophy. I strip the school stuff away and I try to get to understand the person because I think that's important. Um, and you always take it back to who are the people who have the best effect on you. And they're the people who have just took football right away took it away Good people. you mm. looked at the actual yeah. person yeah. and you found that person so yeah, I try to use that in every day, every day. Yeah. Griff yeah. it's been absolutely fab I never imagined that we'd get such a fantastic <laughs> amount of information no I didn't mate I'm, yeah, I, no I'm, you know I feel so privileged now I feel, felt privileged before when you um, you said oh Griff's going to come and coach you I thought oh that's going to be fun. I'm going to learn so much here and, and I do believe you me I know you you're so humble and you say you know I'm on the learning curve isn't it? I'm also on the learning curve mate and you teach me tons and this interview 
if if anybody listens to this and doesn't get a bag full of lessons out of this, mate, they haven't heard what what we've been talking about. But you've been absolutely brilliant, mate. And um, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks for that, Paul. All right, talk more.